Welcome to Real Personal Finance. I'm your host, Scott Frank, CFP, CFA charter holder, and founder of Stone Steps Financial. And I'm your host, James Canole, CFP, MBA, and owner of Root Financial Partners. The premise of our show is simple. Money can be confusing, but it doesn't have to be. Our goal is to answer real personal financial questions that we hear from our clients and our listeners. Each episode, we answer one personal financial question in a clear and understandable way. Because money is a tool. And when you understand the language of money, you can make better decisions to improve your financial life. Hey, James. Hi, Scott. It's another week. Hi, I am so excited for this. Me too. I'm ac- I am excited. We have listener questions, two of them today. Two listener questions. That come from a previous episode. Topical questions. Yeah, we, where we were talking about um, uh, mortgages. And we were specifically talking about is the 15-year or 30-year better, if I recall correctly. I think so. And we, we landed on, use, our recommendation is use the 30-year but pay it off as a 15 if you're really into paying things off quickly. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And as a response to that, we had a listener question yep. that said, hey guys, thanks for that. Listen to the 15 versus 30 year mortgage podcast. Whoa, 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 whoa. You're missing an important part here. Oh. She started with, she says, I really enjoy the podcast. Wow. Dude, you need to allow yourself to feel that. Celebrate the victories. I mean, how nice is that? Okay. Right? It's helpful to have complex ideas broken down into understandable and applicable terms. Oh my gosh, That's I what we designed that. this thing to do. Oh. James and I sit here and pretend that finance sounds like Latin. <laughs> Seriously, it's what we do. So, so we try to do that, and we're so happy to hear that you feel that way. Thank you for that feedback. Yeah. So from there, I listened to the 15 versus 30-year mortgage episode. I was curious if you had any feedback on how to even go about finding a mortgage, i.e. bank versus broker versus online. Also, trying to navigate rates and points is confusing too. Thank you both for your time. You're welcome, listener. We're here. Um, Here's where I would start with that. A couple of things. Where to go find it. And you chime in as, as you wish too. I personally think that major banks are usually, if you're looking for a standard loan and your credit score is a great credit score, 760 or more, I would be starting with major banks because they're usually the most competitive. Mm. What do you think about that? Well, yes, and I think a lot of times too, they use a mortgage as almost yeah. incentive to get you into other products. Absolutely. And they have the, the resources to be the most competitive in that regard. Absolutely. And and so I would start there with major banks. You can also reach out to credit unions. Um, another thing is when you're going to go refinance, do not be scared to apply to more than one place. Mm-hmm. Applying to more than one place for the same thing at the same time is not going to affect your credit score that dramatically, mm-hmm. if at all. Mm-hmm. Right? It's like, oh, I'm shopping around for a mortgage. Okay, people can see that by seeing that you had your hard inquiry for other mortgage lenders. Right. That's not a bad thing, mm-hmm. right? So I would start there. Um, brokers can be helpful. Brokers, um, but to me, and, and or in just looking online, you can look online, obviously, just to see what rates are. Typically, you have to go start talking to someone to start getting a real process. Right. But yeah, starting yeah. online, you get that benchmark. Yeah. What, what the, simply plug this into Google. Right. You're going to see banks quoting certain rates. Yeah. 
That's your benchmark. Yeah, exactly. Now go start talking to people. So maybe you do those like finder things on like Wells Fargo or Bank of America or US Bank where you go put in your zip code and how much your house is and that it's a refinance and what's your loan balance and what's your credit score roughly. And it'll start to tell you like, here's the daily rate today. Mm -hmm. Okay, that's cool. Mm -hmm. Um, Be careful of those daily rates because sometimes they'll have points built in them online to try to make it look better. So you have to go look at the fine print, but it is there. Um, But from there... Once you know roughly what the rates are, pick one or two of those people um, or companies and reach out to them. Yeah. Right? Mm-hmm. Um, I would reach out to them first. And let's say that like today, I just looked at rates today. Wells Fargo was at like 3625 for a refinance on a 30-year mortgage. I didn't look at what other rates are around town. But let's say I found them at 3625. And let's just say that US Bank's at three and a half. Well, I'm probably going to reach out to both of them. Mm-hmm. Why? Like, U.S. Bank's already at three and a half because I eventually want to play the two of them off of each other, right? So I want to go reach out to U.S. Bank and I want to say, hey, guys, thanks for that three and a half rate. And then I'm going to go reach out to the Wells Fargo person and I want to say, hey, Wells Fargo, U.S. Bank's offering three and a half percent to me right now. Can you match it or make it better? Mm -hmm. And I want to start playing a game Mm -hmm. of letting them work against each other. Yeah. Because what I want in the end is I want the lowest rate at with the least amount of points, zero, Points just mean that you're paying down your mortgage ahead of time, typically, to reduce your rate. Mm -hmm. Yep. Um, And the lowest amount of closing costs. Can you explain how points work? So you say, oh, it's with this many points. What does that actually mean when someone gets Well, so like if it was an $800,000 loan and there's one point, that will cost $8,000. So 1% of 800 grand is eight grand. Right. Right. And so what they're doing is is you're basically just think of it as you're prepaying your mortgage. And by prepaying your mortgage, they say, we'll give you a better rate. Well, you, you, just, you just traded your own money to create a lower rate for yourself. Paid more of it up front. Yeah. yeah. To, to me, that typically doesn't make sense. Mm-hmm. But there, I guess suppose there could be some specific reasons when it would make sense. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. But I usually look at it lowest rate, no points, lowest closing costs. Closing costs in Southern California, I typically see around 3600 bucks. You? Mm-hmm. Yeah. So... Those are the things I would look at. And the key is like, if you get, let's pretend we get Wells Fargo and US Bank to start working against each other. Well, eventually I might have to apply to both of them for loans and I might have to eventually start showing them emails of US Bank's offering me three and a half percent. Here's their email. Can you match it? Yes, I can match it. Great. Thank you. And then you go back and you say, okay, US Bank, Wells Fargo just made theirs better. They, they aren't going to make me pay as much in closing costs. And my thing is, I just want to drive them down to the lowest point I can get them. Yeah. So ideally, if I'm doing a refinance, it's... Uh, you know, the lowest rate I can get, hopefully with no closing costs. That'd yeah. be the ideal, yeah. right? Because then the, maybe the max out of pockets and appraisal fee, that'd be amazing. Yeah. But those are the things I think about. How about you? Well, I agree. And, and I think it's so valuable because it doesn't seem like a huge difference between 3.6 or 3.7. But on a large mortgage, that's a large amount per year in interest. Yeah, You're saving up. for 15 to 30 years. Mm-hmm. So it's worth the time up front. Like the, 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 the benefit per hour of your time to do this can be significantly more than whatever hourly rate you're, you're totally. working at or just whatever that works out to be. So yep. do your due diligence on this. It's not even just due diligence. Just put the time in to make banks compete against each other. Yeah. And like shaving rates on an auto loan, not nearly as important as shaving rates on a mortgage because mm-hmm. you're exactly right. Large numbers. Right. It adds up. Right. Yeah. We want the best rate possible. Yeah. So I think to, you know, to answer the question directly, as you just did very well, is it, is it bank versus broker versus online? It's It's all of them. Start online, see what's out there, but then reach out to banks, reach out to brokers to see who can give you the lowest rate. Because at the end of the day, you're just paying for money. 
Yeah. It's not as if there's a ton of other details involved with this. Yes, you want good service and easy processing and all that, but you just want the cheapest money you can get to go get the home that you want. Yes. Now, that said, you do get into into nuance where it matters. If your credit score is not stellar, it's very hard. You can't really go do what I just described, where you go battle banks, right? Because they all want your business and you're like the best tier qualifier. Um, if you are a small business owner and you just started your business for the last couple of years, qualifying becomes much harder because mm-hmm. now they need a certain amount of number of years of tax returns to show that you actually have the income that you say you have. If you're a W-2 salaried earner, they just trust you implicitly. Right. And then the other thing is, if you're in a specific type of profession, sometimes you can get even better deals. Mm -hmm. Like if you're a physician, right, there will be deals that you can get where they'll happily give you a loan with just 10% down and no PMI, and they'll Mm -hmm. give you the best rates right away Mm because you're a physician. Mm -hmm. So it just depends on your specific circumstance, but that's the high level answer of where to start. Right. Awesome. So that's question number one. Yes. This is a bonus episode. Jump into question number two. Let's do two. Okay. So question number two, um, also tied back into that episode on the 15 versus 30 year. And this one was, hi, guys. I really like your show. I learn a lot from it. Excellent. Um, Although you've already done an episode on refinancing, I had some questions on other situations when someone might want to refinance. Specifically, how would a potential move in the future affect my decision? How would my current loan being an arm factor in? Is there a difference between refinancing from a bank versus a credit union or refinance broker? And perhaps other questions I haven't considered. So there we go. So we kind of already answered his very the very final question mm-hmm. that uh, that this listener gave. But uh, let's start with um, start with the other one. Why and might it's... someone think about refinancing? So generally, when you're refinancing, there's a cost to do it. Yeah. Whether it's closing costs, whether it is points, whether whatever, yep. appraisal, there is some cost. Yes. And now those costs tend to be worth it sometimes if you give it enough time for the mortgage to play out. Yep. By paying a lower interest rate over longer periods of time, there is more and more money that you are recouping the longer you stay in that mortgage. Yeah. If there's a situation, though, that you do have a potential move in the future, in the not-too-distant future that could make it not sense, not make sense to refinance. Absolutely. Even if you could get a lower interest rate, if you have to pay a lot out of pocket for closing costs, appraisal, any of that, yep. but you're going to move in a year, you just don't have enough time to recoup the cost of that in the form of a lower interest rate that you're paying. I like where your head's at. So, um, if, so James is going to scroll down a little bit on the sheet we're looking at right now because I ran some numbers earlier, just a little further down. And I just ran some numbers quickly before we started this this uh, recording where I just let's just make the assumption that someone has a million dollar home with an eight hundred thousand dollar mortgage and it's currently a four percent mortgage. Mm-hmm. So they would be paying three thousand eight hundred six dollars and sixty three cents per month. Mm-hmm. Right. And so one of the questions you can look at quickly is when does it make sense to refinance? Well, if you go look at refinance rates today, which we did before we started this episode, it was 3.625 for the best refinance rate at Wells Fargo today. Yes. Right. So that did would, you shop it around, Scott? Did you I, do didn't, your I didn't shop it around and get lower rates, which oh if I gosh. do, that's only going to improve this. But let's just start with this as a base 
case. Scott was lazy and only got 3.625. That's right. Okay, we easily would have got a three and a half, but I'm not rerunning the numbers. Uh, no, uh, so let's say that we have the 3625 30-year fixed. We're at um, $3,648 if we refinance that $800,000. Okay, so you're saving about $159 per month. Yep, saves $159 a month. Now let's assume closing costs are $3,600. It's going to take 22 months before we break even and start benefiting mm. from this refinance. Mm. Right? So you so, had a one-time out-of-pocket cost. One-time out-of-pocket cost, 3600 bucks, saves me 159 a month, and it takes 22 months to pay that back. Got it. Right? That's the simple calc. So if we look at it from that lens, does it make sense? Well, if you plan on moving within 22 months, it does not make sense. No. Right? Yeah, absolutely. absolutely. And then the, other, the next level I think you would look at here is let's pretend for a minute that that 4% rate is on an ARM. An ARM means adjustable rate mortgage. So oftentimes you'll see people with 5 slash 1 arms, 7 slash 1 arms, 10 slash 1 arms. The, the first number means the amount of years that the interest rate's fixed. And then the next one means how often they can adjust it thereafter, mm-hmm. right? So if I'm on a 7-1 arm at 4%, the first seven years, I get my 4% rate. And then when it starts to adjust, it's going to adjust based on some factor like right. uh, the prime rate plus or minus points or LIBOR plus or minus points, depending on what deal I got when we got that that deal. And they might cap out the amount that it's allowed to move up by per year. Right. So if I'm on it, if I, if I know I want to be in this house for a long time, um, I might want to look at, well, does it make sense to switch to a fixed rate mortgage? Because mm-hmm. like, I'm a huge fan of not having my, my mortgage payment go up because it gets cheaper and cheaper every year. If it's right? fixed. Yeah, I know it doesn't. Yeah. It may not, you might hear that and go like, what? That doesn't make sense. But like, the cost of milk goes up every year. My mortgage doesn't, mm-hmm. right? So my mortgage becomes cheaper and cheaper and cheaper throughout time, mm-hmm. relatively speaking to everything else because mm-hmm. I have a fixed rate mortgage. If I have an adjustable rate mortgage, it's going to go it's going to move wherever interest rates move. Mm-hmm. So it could go up, could go down. In the long run, I think there's a, we've all been saying since the financial crisis that rates eventually have to go up. They still haven't. But we, we all still think that eventually at they have to point, go up. Yeah, maybe so, they will. So then you might look at that 4% rate and be like, wow, I could, I could lock in. If I have a 4% arm, I could lock in a fixed rate at 3625. I'd have it paid back. The break-even would be here in 22 months, but then I don't have to worry about in my, my interest rate fluctuated in the future, which would cause the cost of my financing to go up. Right. Yeah. So if, exactly. So the longer you're going to stay in your home, the more it makes sense to refinance if you just yeah. do the simple analysis there. Yeah. And then with an adjustable rate mortgage or an ARM, generally the reason the banks are doing that is because they'll say, we'll give you a lower interest rate today because we know where they are. Yep. But we're not going to take that long-term interest rate risk by yeah. assuming this mortgage for 30 years. So Scott, you know what? We're going to give you this rate for five years, seven years, 10 years. But then if interest rates go up, so does your payment. Mm-hmm. So if you think you're not going to be in a home for longer than five, seven, 10 years, and you're positive about that, you could look to keep that. Arms that make a lot of sense. sense. If you think Absolutely. you're going to move or downsize or move out of state or whatever it is before then, keep it absolutely if not then you're you're kind of carrying some risk with your mortgage by I mean, not doing so so we did look at the arm rates today as well a five-year arm today on the wells site was 3.125 so that would be a pay- monthly payment mm-hmm. of three thousand four hundred twenty-seven dollars compared to the four percent rate we were talking about before we would save about three hundred and eighty dollars a month mm-hmm. 10 so months to break even yeah after that we're we're gaining rather than losing. So 
it really just depends. Like, there's never like one silver bullet solution. If you move into a house thinking you want to be in that house for longer term, to me, 30 year fixed rate mortgages make a lot of sense. Mm-hmm. Um, there can be instances where a five year arm, a seven year arm, a 10 year arm can make a lot of sense. Yeah. It's a lower payment and you're paying less interest on that payment. So you're, you're really paying your mortgage down faster. So if you're going to move in that time frame, do it. Yeah. Uh, understand the risk, though, is if you don't do that, if plans change, you could be locked into something if you don't refinance. Right, exactly. So I think that's that's how I think of it. All right. So I think that makes a lot of sense to me. Is there anything else you want to add to this? You know, we covered what points are. We covered what closing costs are. We covered kind of how this works and how you want to look at it. I don't know if I have anything else to add, Scott. I think you've, you've expertly guided us through everything. Oh, thanks, man. You're welcome. Mm-hmm. I think you have an excellent podcast, too. I'm with the listeners. <laughs> <laughs> Only because you're here, man. If I was talking to myself, it wouldn't be anything. <laughs> awesome. Well, thanks, Scott. Thank you. Thank you for listening to episode number 36 of the Real Personal Finance Podcast. For a list of the resources and the notes from today's episode, please head over to the Real Personal Finance website at realpersonalfinance.co and find episode number 36. If you too would like to submit a question to the Real Personal Finance Podcast, then you can do so by heading over to our website and there's a section or there's a tab on that page where you can submit a question that Scott and I will answer on a future episode. If you've not already done so, please subscribe. Subscribing to our show will make sure that every single Wednesday morning when a new episode is released, you'll be the first to be notified. And if you're enjoying the show, please leave us a review. We would love to hear what you're thinking and more reviews allows more people to find our show. Thanks again for listening and we'll see you next time. This podcast is for informational and entertainment purposes only and should not be relied upon for a basis for investment decision. This podcast is not engaged in rendering legal, financial, or other professional services.